0: This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome back to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Knudsen from ESPN Milwaukee. Off this week is our pal, Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. But with us, as always, catch him, ESPN 1000 in Chicago. He is Jonathan Hood. Um, so when we take a look right now, what's going on in the world of professional wrestling, obviously we are building towards a couple of different pay-per-views. It's, it's been a quiet early part of the month here in June, but we're building towards Forbidden Door, which um, I, we will get to in a little bit. And we're also building towards uh, Money in the Bank in the UK in early July. And both of us, I think, really enjoyed the, the main shows. Raw was pretty good on Monday. I think yesterday was pretty good for yep. Dynamite and AEW. The question we're going to start with today, Jay hood is who is booking better right now? Is it Tony Khan over at AEW or is it Hunter at WWE?
1: Well, first of all, I'm dressed as a talent uh, that's ready to go to sleep and you are dressed for the WWE Network, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've, got, I've got a championship belt that I'm going to be unveiling here soon, you know, another new championship belt. So I figured, you know,
1: throw the collar on and... Try to look the best we can. (laughs) You look like staff. Like uh, like you're doing the booking, and I'm just a schlub in the back by catering. That's pretty much me. But you you know what? Here's what I'm looking at, Gabe. You know what a wrestling war looks like? It looks like what we're seeing right now. It's not like they're head to head and they're battling like it was in the uh, Monday night era, the Monday night wars with uh, Raw and Nitro. But this is what it looks like because you can see that both companies are raising the bar. And I love it. You mentioned Raw uh, taking place in Kansas and then watching Dynamite in Washington, D.C. Both shows are, are pretty hot, uh, where it becomes must... Here's how you know. It becomes must-see, right? It's like, okay, let me see what's going on with both of these shows. So we know that the number one storyline in wrestling is the bloodline, and mm-hmm. there's different tentacles to that. So you're not beating the bloodline. But from there, Dominic Mysterio and Mommy and, and Rhea Ripley have been very interesting, along with the Judgment Day. We always mention uh, Dom, but the Judgment Day, all four characters have something going on, along with Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes in his title, uh, Chase, LA Knight's getting hot. So there's some interesting things going on in the WWE.
0: I, I want to say this about Tony Khan and AEW. I think Tony has learned some lessons from last year, because AEW is not as hot right now, I feel, as they were coming out of last year's Double or Nothing in Vegas. And... Uh, I mentioned this at the time. I feel like I've been preaching it now for the last year plus. They kind of fell off because, oh man, after Double or Nothing, now we've got this forbidden door. It's the first time we've done this. And, and all the momentum that they had for their internal storylines, they kind of threw that to the side and it cooled off some of the talent that they had so they could build towards forbidden door. Mm-hmm. What what we're seeing right now in AEW is, I mean, you're building towards multiple things, To be first of all. You're building towards... Collision on Saturday night, which we've got a very good interview that we enjoyed that we did with Miro coming up here in just a matter of moments. Um, But you've got building towards collision on Saturday. Then you also have forbidden door, but you're just sprinkling in some of the forbidden door stuff. It's not just forbidden door, forbidden door, forbidden door. You have other stories that you're telling outside of that, but then you're able to sprinkle in. Oh, by the way, yes, we are going to get that dream match between Okada and Brian Danielson. Oh yeah. By the way, we're going to do Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. And then Ospreay shows up at the end last night, which is awesome. Oh, we're going to throw out there a Tanahashi, Challenge to MJF that MJF is going to turn down right after he just went through a grueling match, which I, I was critical of last week. I got to give credit where credit is due. I I thought last night's opener was fantastic on on Dynamite. I thought that it was going to end up being a count out some way. I thought they were going to somehow get Adam Cole the victory. They didn't. They did a time limit draw, which they did a couple of early in brian danielson's tenure he had a couple of those draws and it's been a way you don't think about draws in terms of time limit draws in professional wrestling because wwe doesn't use that it was very well used last night by aew giving you excitement thinking that adam cole was going to get the win only to ring that bell right before the three counts um it was surprising i thought it was a great way to go great way to continue that storyline so I, i thought tony khan did tremendous last night but as you mentioned like triple h has made the, he's he's heated the bloodline back up. He's heated up the bloodline in a way where uh, um, Roman didn't need to be around on SmackDown to make it interesting for Jay to be wrestling for the U.S. title to make it interesting on Monday night refreshing the, the women's championships I think is the right call. Cause that was just kind of confusing. Having the raw title on SmackDown, the SmackDown title on raw Yeah, making it, it to me, that just elevates it as well. Cause now you have a women's world champion. You have a WWE women's champion. Like it just, it, I don't know it, it, to me, it elevates it to the same level as the men's titles. And I think that's what Hunter was trying to do. They're both doing a good job of juggling a lot of things right now and telling a lot of stories and, that's what made this week, especially the main shows of Dynamite and Raw, so interesting.
1: So so here's the point, the salient point that you make. There is Tony Khan learning. Again, when you are a neophyte booker, you're going to make some mistakes. When you are a fan of wrestling and you own a company, you go, I'm just going to bring all the talent. It's an arms race, as we could tell, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of great talent that don't get a chance to get on television. But I think that the Door we saw before was hey, I can get all this talent from New Japan because everyone knows all this talent from New Japan, right? Right? No, we don't know all the talent from New Japan. Here's the difference between the uh, AEW and the WWE, and Bruce Pritchard talks about this all the time. He says that WWE fans only care about WWE for the most part. They may know about AEW, but they're really focused in on all the storylines, hyper-focused on everything from merch to uh, to live events, to the major shows on Peacock, they're WWE diehards. They're, they're focused on their team. Whereas AEW in the past would say, oh, we'll bring on this talent in, and they're going to do run-ins. And so it kept the audience kind of flat-footed, I think, for AEW, because it's like, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan. I kind of know who that guy is, but why is this important to me? So here's why your point is is well-made. So we get a chance to get Adam Cole and MJF. That's got nothing to do with Forbidden Door. When we get the main event with BCC uh, and the uh, Young Bucks and Paige, it has nothing to do with Forbidden Door. So I think that having that mixture, the best part, one of the best parts of the show is the little vignettes, the little interviews they did with some of the New Japan audience. It just put a little sprinkle in and say, hey, look forward to this talent taking on this talent at Forbidden Door. Don't overwhelm the audience with a whole bunch of people that maybe the AEW audience doesn't know. That's learning as a booker to know to mix it up and have both. Forbidden
0: Door is for the diehard of diehard wrestling fans. Like, you're going to, some of these matches are going to have stories behind them the way that they have with Omega and Osprey. And we all assume there's going to be a third one when they do all in in the UK later this summer. But there's really not much of a story for Brian Danielson and Okada. Like, there's not much of a story there, but it's a dream matchup that Okada's a known enough name not necessarily for AEW fans, but if you're a diehard fan, you just know Okada Danielson. Yep. I want to see that. This is not a storytelling pay-per-view. This is just a pay-per-view to put on some cool matchups that you don't typically get to see because it's two guys, you know, two, it's going to be two guys from different companies going to head to head and being able to then continue some of the momentum that you have within your own company and go, yeah, I understand what this is. And there are enough diehard fans that are going to buy this. It probably won't be as popular as all in or all out. doesn't matter we're still going to be able to make money off this thing up in Toronto. We're going to put on a good show in terms of the matches and just kind of understanding that that that's all that paper for you needs to be again, that's growth. But again, when you only have four pay-per-views a year and everything is just so important that you build up to them, I can understand how you make that mistake the first time through like WWE, because they have typically one premium live event per month. Like mm. you know, This this year it was different because you had Bad Bunny, but usually Backlash isn't given the same kind of weight as, you know, one of their, you know, big four, big five pay-per-views. But when you have Bad Bunny in Puerto Rico, that ends up being a bad example. But when when you have one of these other, you know, pay-per-views, it it just doesn't, you know, vengeance or, you know, those just don't matter as much. The Elimination Chamber, these aren't as important as wrestlemania SummerSlam, royal rumble so you, you kind of learn how to build up to these different events and i think that's what's happened with T, with with tony khan triple h meanwhile i i'm a sucker for the elimination match the the um the money in the bank matches qualifying matches just because it's an easy way to get you to buy in oh there are stakes on this match this gets you into the pretty big match and, and i think a lot of those matches have been really good um but it's just the continuing booking, I would just say, of the Judgment Day has been yeah. fantastic. What, a year ago today, a year ago or a year plus ago, when they turned on Edge, did you think the Judgment Day would still be going and probably be the second hottest act in terms of factions within the WWE?
1: No, because I did not know that Dom would be so red hot as far as being a heel in the company. Everywhere he goes, he gets big booze. so no, I didn't expect that.
0: No, <laughs> he didn't. but Rhea has ascended to being the star. And yeah. I, th- I mean, I liked Damian Priest um, because of some of the work that he did previous at WrestleMania with Bad Bunny. You're going, oh, okay. Like this guy's a solid rep. Like if he won the Money in the Bank briefcase, I'd be pretty excited about that. You know, like, I-, I think that he's kind of elevated his game as well. And we're seeing the best version, I think, of Finn Balor since he first came into WWE from NXT before he got hurt.
1: Yeah, this this comes down to LA Knight or Damian Priest, and mm-hmm. again, this is and we when we asked the question about who's doing a, a, the better booking, you know, I laid out the WWE guys, and again, their Judgment Day, all four characters have something, including Finn Balor. Now, based on what we saw on Monday Night Raw uh, this past Monday, but on the other side of the tracks with AEW, with the Blackpool Back Club, along with the Young Bucks and Page, MJF and the title chase for MJF's championship. Orange Cassidy in that run, he's the greatest workhorse champion that we have now in 2023. There's Callis and, Ta- and um, Takeshita. Yep, and Takeshita. Takeshi. You have you have the outcasts that are hot now. Uh, even with you, I didn't think the women's division could ever get hot outside of Britt Baker, and then you see what's happening with them, right? Yeah. with Soraya and them. So huh. so. Yeah.
0: Soraya is so over, you can just come up with like, you can get a pop by walking out with just like a stick figurine. Like they did, you know, they just had they had Soraya on a stick and everyone just thought that was
1: awesome. Soraya on a stick. <laughs> so anyway, reminds me of a video I saw once. But you know, uh, the, the thing is, <laughs> you know, but, but, I, but I didn't think that, and I think that as a show, we thought Britt Baker is the best AEW has to offer. They weren't mm-hmm. booking it well. Now look what's happened. So when we come down to it, Gabe, Triple H or Tony Khan? It's a tough one because I can give you on the women's side for WWE the one one of the biggest mistakes for Triple H is he has not booked the women well. When we saw um, Damage Control come out, we said, "Oh, here we go." The women's mm-hmm. division got a little something besides Charlotte and and Becky. Um, kind of simmered since then. Nothing wrong with Oscar's as champion. Got no problem with that. I, and nothing wrong with what we're seeing here with. Um, uh, what's going on in the WWE with Rhea Ripley? But I, you know, little little light on the women still, and then the, but the AEW to their credit, I think they're booking the women well.
0: I think Triple H is trying. It seems like he's making an effort to rectify that because I mean, the biggest storyline. This is probably the first time that I can remember in the last two to three years where the biggest women's storyline didn't involve a championship.
2: Mm-hmm. Becky
0: Becky versus. Um, um, Becky,
1: yeah. Becky in a, in her matchup. Now, keep in mind, there's two women. That's not just one. To Trish Stratus, yes, and her count and her counterpart.
0: Yeah. So you have Becky versus Trish. Yeah. That's the That's the number one women's storyline right now. Like that's mm-hmm. the top thing. The second, the, the championships are secondary to that. But I mean, Rhea Ripley's super over, Oscar's over. You you throw Charlotte back in. With Bianca also wanting to chase it, it seems like you're at least he's starting to start a couple of recipes, starting to build that a little bit. And he's going to unify the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships and the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. So you have something for Ronda Rousey to do. That happened on, you know, that, that idea came about on SmackDown on Friday night. So he is at least trying to build a couple of things. I would say the best booker right now, I still lean towards Triple H just because the bloodline. He's got the best one. Like I think every I, when you, when you start getting past the bloodline, it starts to be a little bit more even. But the bloodline is still number 1 and he's still found a way to make it interesting. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Triple H, but I think Tony Khan Again, he's learning. I think him leaning on uh, Brian Danielson. There have been reports about that where Brian Danielson's been more involved in booking decisions and booking meetings within AEW. Some of the complaints that you've had, uh, Jay Hood, have been, hey, you you have all this talent. Why don't you start listening to some of it? And you don't have to do everything on your own. It seems like, at least from afar, that TK is starting to listen more and more to people. And And again, I think that's only a smart thing as he continues to grow. You got to start leaning on other people. You can't be booking every Wednesday, you know, three shows every Wednesday between ROH, Rampage, Dynamite, still have the show on Saturday, still have Double or Not, or excuse me, Forbidden Door coming up. Like it, you're, you're growing your company. You're going to have to start delegating
1: some responsibilities. Yeah. So I'm going to give the slight edge a Triple H. But what I want to see is you want to test and see whether or not a booker, a booker, you know, head of creative, whatever it is, you want to see how good that person is try to book all this television you have. It's now that you have collision coming up on Saturdays. Let's see how you do now because you have rampage who I think that as we, as a show we've decided, you know, they had a championship a Friday that we thought was pretty good, a mixture of talent, but otherwise it's a scope. It's a show that I think many have skipped. And it's not just mm-hmm. us. We're just talking about when you're drawing two, three 300,000, you got heavy DVR numbers on Saturday morning, which is good for them because against Friday night, late after SmackDown, uh, let's see how you go, how, how well you'll do now because Collision and then Dynamite and then Rampage on top of that. And then, of course, don't forget to travel too. Are we getting – is Tony Khan going to have talent come in on Tuesday, be at the arena on Wednesday, and just linger until Saturday to for Collision? Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. And, and also on top of that, let's put this out there as well, is that there is some talent, what well, we understand in the back, They're just kind of like, oh, we got shows on Saturday, some of them live. That kind of interferes in my indie shows uh, and some of my extra money that I'd make. You just want me to sit around? uh, Am I going to be paid the same? So there's some bellyaching about that a little bit from AEW Talent from what I understand. So I just think it's all fun. I'm glad that we have, have at least two strong companies along with others that are raising the bar. Well, one of those
0: companies, as you mentioned, AEW. And to start our three count, the other top three stories that we want to talk about, uh, we had an opportunity earlier this week to catch up with the Redeemer himself, Miro. Here's our conversation as Miro gets ready for his re-debut in AEW with Collision on Saturday night. KW, I know pro wrestling fans are excited to see him back on our televisions. Coming up this Saturday, live from the United Center in Chicago, he is none other. And the former TNT champion, he is Miro. Miro, thank you so much for the time, man, and jumping on with us on GKW.
2: Of course. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you guys. Uh,
0: so the pro wrestling fans, I think, are excited to see you. How excited are you to be back inside a pro wrestling ring on
2: Saturday? Very excited. I've been aching for a long time. The Redeemer's been in the desert looking for answers. Maybe finding them, maybe not. we will yet to find out this Saturday. But I'm very excited to be around the wrestling community and, the, you know, just the fans, man. I've never been to United Center, never wrestled there. And the uh, people in Chicago are unbelievable, so I'm really looking forward to it. Miro, how difficult was it for you to
1: have that time off? You know fans have been looking for you. They, they love you and your character. So what was that like just being off and being away?
2: huh It sucks. It sucks. Uh, you know, just like I said, looking for answers and not getting any, it's 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 not a good place. And not just me, but just overall as a human being, when you have no answers to all these questions, it just eats you inside. And I had quite a long time to eat myself. And even though I'm still 260 pounds, I ate quite a bit. Uh, but I'm aching. I'm aching to come back and, and to find out what's going on, what's happening. It's been a while. What did you miss the most during your time away? The fans, always the fans, always the fans. That there's just nothing like the professional wrestling fans, that that instant connection that you have with them. As soon as you not even walk out, as soon as the music hit, when you hear the shofar, you hear the people just rise in their roar, man. That's what I miss. I miss performing in front of them because they deserve the Redeemer, and I, and I deserve them. <laughs> I was able to get some Miro, and I get, was able to get him on
1: East New York on CBS. And I saw you, and I've been watching that show ever since, by the way, because I'm thinking, ah, I'm not getting Miro on the ring, but I'm getting him as a recurring character. What? And then they shot you, man. They killed you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, Spoiler, man. I, I Spoiler alert, man. Spoiler well, alert, Jay you know, Hood. It's not, it's not, No, It's early enough. People, people <laughs> figure it out. So I turned to my wife. I go, they just killed Miro. She goes, who? I go, they just they killed my Redeemer. Yeah. So, like, so, so, that, what was that experience like working with Richard Kind in, ES, in uh, East New York? It
2: was great. It was so good. I just, it was such a great opportunity because it was such a big, big show. And it's, it's a, you know, the pilot episode. We got four million views or what, whatnot. And all these uh, guys who've been acting forever, you know, just to give me the time of day to talk to them, to pick their brains, and you know, all the producers, the directors, everybody was so great. I just. Love that experience, but you know, it wasn't that long, but I just cherished every single moment. And it got me to live in Brooklyn, you know, for a couple of weeks, which I previously hated New York, but being there for a couple of weeks, spending living there like a local Brooklyn year, well, uh, I really had good time. I really had fun times.
0: For those watching um, online, they can see, it does say indeed Miro the Redeemer. So is that who we ex- can expect to see back on Saturday is the Redeemer or are there going to be tweaks to what the redeemer is? Are those some of the answers? Maybe you found
2: the answers are I've been looking for. I haven't found, but what I've done, what we've done in AW, it's it's I would say it's the longest story story that we've had since the beginning. The, the arc of the character, like I said, we started with the gamer, and then he had to snap. He had to you know destroy his best friend because he thought he was sabotaging him. To finally peek further and further, finally to find God on his side and run with that. And then, after that was done, you know, when the title got taken away, then I became from God's favorite champion to uh, God's forsaken champion. You know, it's always an arc, it's always an arc, but Redeemer is always there. And I don't think that anybody in the whole company can say about this continuous growth of a character like I have. But that's what I love about the professional wrestling. I love the storytelling, it's not just about two people in the ring swinging around i think i love the storytelling of the business and that's what i I tend to do once once i come back as the redeemer
1: mural i think in all walks of life we have to have allies or mentors or people that are on your side who are some of your closest friends in the business to get you through the good
2: and the bad man (laughs) uh i would say shameless probably Seamus, he's a good, you know, he's a great friend of mine. He's like a brother. Um, we live together in Nashville. So, you know, I spend a lot of time with him whenever I can. If I can't see him, we always talk. Uh, but also this kid who just, Toa Leona, he just started recently uh, in AEW. He's a guy who was hungry, who came and asked me for for advice and for help. And uh, that was maybe a couple of years ago. And ever since, like, we've kind of been training together in the gym, in the ring. And I'm trying to show him, you know, share my experience with him. And he's become like a really, really, really good friend of mine as well as somebody that I can, you know, give some knowledge if he wants to listen, then he does.
0: So now that Miro the Redeemer is coming back again Saturday, it's going to be a part of Collision on TNT, the new show AEW is launching. Who are some of the stories, you know, what what are some of the stories you want to tell? Who are some of the people you want to tell stories with now that you're going to be back?
2: I, I really don't care. I don't have that pool. I just show up, I beat people, whatever they tell me. I, I write my promos, I deliver my promos, and everything else is up to him, to the man who sits on top of the chair. I don't have no – I'm not that guy that, oh, I want to work with this guy or with this guy or with that guy. No, man, just give me your best. I'll take them all. Um, with that being said, like I said, it's all about the story. It's not, it's not just about who you're fighting. It's about the story, how you get there. Let's get there in a way that people are going to be intrigued by it. Then and, and that, and let's have a, a good match after. But I'm interested in the storytelling as well. Miro, um,
1: you know, we haven't been able to talk to a lot of people about – how difficult it was to wrestle in during the pandemic uh you made your debut in during that time in AEW so what was that like going through that again very few fans or no fans and you had to still be able to project and and put your character out there what was that like for you
2: man it was it was very interesting time um because i have never wrestled in front of nobody since WWE developmental days <laughs> you know we had like 50 people in the audience not getting, you know and it was so weird because when I got released from WWE, you know, we still had the twenty thousand, thirty thousand, fifty thousand people. I, Saudi Arabia, sixty thousand, and all that. So it was interesting, but but it's a challenge. It was a challenge for everybody, not just for me. But once you know who you are and know how to turn it on, it doesn't matter if it's one or one million people out there. You gotta you gotta be sure of who you are and not and not just fold under pressure because there's a lot of pressure where there's nobody there. You know, as professional wrestlers, we're used to. Get in the Eastern or boo or whatever. But when there's nobody there. You just gotta trust that what you're doing is good. And I always knew that my my I was gonna say a bad word, my stuff is the best. <laughs> so I have no doubt in myself. So therefore, personally it did not bother me, even though I love the fans. Of course, we all wanted to see the fans, but hey, we went through it and now we're back in the full arenas.
1: I
0: understand maybe this might be a tough question to answer, but what is it about the characters, whether it's been the gamer, whether it's been the redeemer? I just feel that fans have always been drawn to you. Is that what kind of allowed you to give some of that confidence that you were just talking about during the pandemic when no one's there? Because, again, I feel whatever character you've put out there has, has been attractive to fans and they've been drawn to it.
2: Oh, it's about committing. It's about committing to a character and not half-assing it. Because once you half ass it, these people can tell right away. They will truly out for it. And I've, I've always prided myself not with the greatest Dave Meltzer six-star matches and all that kind of like irrelevant stuff. I always pride myself with a crowd reaction and the connection, like you said, with the people. And that's always going to be my number one goal, to connect with the fans, give the reaction that I want to receive, and then go by that. And I know I'm the best at that because I don't just put my stuff together, just A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever it is. I want to be out there. I want to feel what these people want to see. And that's something that I learned from Cena, you know, just, it's not about a match. It's about who is out there, who's watching, what are you hearing? Is it low, is it high? That's the things that I learned, you know, wrestling John Cena, you know, 300 days, uh, which some of these people don't even have that many matches. I've wrestled this man for years and years. And he's just one of my teachers and mentors. I can name all these other Hall of Famers that taught me. It's not just about the match. It's about the connection.
1: So uh, do you get a chance to pick your music? And the reason why I ask is because last time you were in Chicagoland at the Sears Center, as soon as that first chord hits, people know it's you, and people just the people just stood up and they applauded and they cheered. What's that, what's
2: that process like with the music? Well, I had that... Sorry, somebody's being Khan. <laughs> um, uh, I had the vision, man. Once the character was coming together, the Redeemer, and I knew because the Redeemer is who I am, it's not just a fake character. I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, I think He brought me everything I have. So it's my duty to serve him and show the people that God is real. And once everything was starting to come together, you know, the I'm the best, I'm the best man, music did not work. You know, it worked for the previous guy, but not now. And I had a vision for this for this new song. And I got together uh, with the music department, and I, I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted the shofar to start. I wanted some some drums. I wanted some battle rhythms. I wanted all that. I wanted to feel that we're going to war with God on our side. And that's how everything came together. We, he sent me one thing. I said, no, let's switch this with this and this with this. And we started, like, cutting it down and narrowing it down. And what you hear now, it's the final process, the final product. And I, I love my music, man. You know, before, I loved my Rusev, Rusev music when I first started. But this is on a whole other level. I think it's, it, it suits me so well. And we've put in work, you know, not just me, but the music department as well. And, and I thought it came out brilliantly.
0: What are some of the other... You, you mentioned how much you love the storytelling aspect of what you do. What are some of the stories from the past... Um, that maybe you've drawn from to, to try to apply to modern day professional wrestling.
2: I don't I don't draw from the past stories. You know what happened in the past, day in the past. Like like people saying, oh, you should do the, the Rusev Day thing or the Miro Day. It's like no, I don't. It, as much as that worked, it was great for that time. But I don't like doing the, the same gig twice. And and we had, yeah. As far as stories, it's all about just searching within within yourself and. It's not just even stories in wrestling. You can get stories from movies, from animation, from whatever it is. You can get stories and it's not just the the story just by itself. It's just you have to take, you know, what is the good guy's motif? What is the bad guy? What is the what is the in between? What is the what is the, all these details? That's what I like telling. It's I like getting nothing and building it and just creating something and letting it unfold. And once you see that people love it too, it's like, man, like, you have some kind of a verification. And that's why I was so excited about storytelling. I wrote a movie as well based on kind of a wrestling situation. It's just because when you have that creativity, you just want to lay it out somewhere. What is going to be in the ring, in the paper, in the ring, in the music, whatever it is. When you're creative, you have to be, you have to stay creative. You have to get these juices, keep flowing and flowing because otherwise you get dumb. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, that's true. Remember that, Gabe. You get dumb if you don't move around and you don't do stuff, right?
2: You got to exactly. be creative. You got to keep them brain circling. Now I'm I'm signing up for these brain classes, you know, just to keep developing my brain. And, and I don't want to get no Alzheimer's and I don't want to get all these things. I want to get smarter. I want to keep expanding my, my brain and expanding my capacity, you know, creating these new neurons and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's all exciting process. How wait?
1: What's that course like? That those brain classes? What was that detail? Where, how do you take a brain class? Man,
2: so back in the day when we shot to divas, we oh, went man. to this place. It was called uh, what was it called? I forgot. But anyways, we did the tests like a baseline, short term memory, long term memory, uh logistics, blah blah, everything and anything. And then they give you the results. And I was bottom on everything. I was like. <laughs> man. This is not good. <laughs> and But that was a few years ago. And I kind of, you know, you're busy. We travel. But now that I have a little more time, I'll say, hey, maybe I should revisit that. And I signed up. Um, and it's it's a private class. It's a one-on-one on Zoom. It's an hour and a half, three, di- three days a week. And you do these tasks, these math equations, these... Uh, reaction time, like these arrows that you got to, what's pointing where and what you got to close your eyes to some things open and see what's happening, close again. And all of this is just to help. Like I said, the short-term memory, long-term memory, uh, speed reaction of your brain, creativity, and all that kind of stuff. And there's probably 20 or 30 different exercises that we do on a weekly basis. They were split like in, 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 different amounts of time like math without using without using no paper you got to calculate everything in here there's like they say 25 plus 35 you got to give the answer then give you a new number you got to remember the second one throw away the first one and then it goes and goes and goes and goes it's it's so many things man but i highly recommend it for people that they have and you know it's going to cost you a little bit money but i feel like you know overall it's just i keep investing in myself could seamus pass that class Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's not not <curious>, though. <laughs> He's taking way more bumps than I have.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Miro, I, I feel like we have to ask for 15 minutes in because not only is it your big return coming up on Saturday, but CM Punk also returning to an AEW ring on Saturday. What is your relationship like? What has it been like with CM Punk?
2: I I get along with him fine. I think every time we talk, I feel like we have a mutual respect. Um, Yeah. So I've never had anything bad, like engage, engage with him. But you know, you, everybody hears a whole bunch of things, but man, everybody's, if you're not happy with something, you know, just do whatever you want to do and then go cry in your mansion, you know, like, I don't understand all the lashing out, but everybody's responsible for their own action. Like I said, I get it wrong with him good. We've talked. We have great great interactions, even though we had two or three of them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't care. It's not I look at myself. I don't look at other people's plate. That's what the Bible taught me. You know, don't look at other people's plates, look at you and you know, take care of yourself and everybody else. Just all you can do is just pray for them and whatever happens, happens. So the
1: the company is growing, as we know, because we're talking about AEW Collision every Saturday now uh, on Warner Media. So it's Dynamite, it's Rampage, and now um, the show Collision. What do you think of the state of the company right now?
2: It must be good we have a third show. (laughs) (laughs) It must be really good. Like, I don't think the Warner Brothers would have given us a third show if we sucked. So I feel like there's a high demand on the show. Whether, you know, ratings. Everybody's so crazy about his ratings, man. It's so annoying that it's unbelievable. But I guess today's game, it's about these numbers and ratings. But I guess we're doing well. They're giving us this Saturday show that it's live. And it's the first live Saturday show in 20-some years. So we must be doing something right. And I'm excited to be on it, to be honest. I would rather be on Collision than on Dynamite or or, or, uh, Rampage. Why is that? because it's new it's fresh mm-hmm. people want to see new and fresh and i already been to uh, to, dyna, uh, to dynamite i did what i had to do i became champion there i did it all and now let's let's get the new thing man and if there's going to be like a roster like dedicated to each side or whatnot i think that's exciting as well you know i stay in my house you stay in yours and when the time is right let's connect and freaking destroy it some things <laughs> but- yeah yeah.
0: get behind that certainly uh so yeah. it, just quickly then what do you i mean because again I, I feel like yes everybody you know kind of focuses on those ratings and even though i don't think anybody a if people knew how ratings were actually calculated they wouldn't care as much b like i, I don't know if people actually know what those numbers mean but what do you look like what does success look like to miro the redeemer in life yeah
2: yes. to be faithful to god to uh, to to i would say promote his name to say that if you stay pure to your heart you stay clean your soul is clean and you keep praying that anything is possible if a kid from bulgaria can come stay legally made his way to to the biggest grandest stage of them all perform in front of 120,000 people and it's all because of god not because of what i've done without him i would nothing and that's what i want people to realize that there's help. There's a higher. There's a higher being, higher help that he that he can help anybody. But you have to ask. Miro,
0: I certainly have enjoyed this conversation. Going to be rooting for you. Can't wait to see a Saturday night collision at the United Center down in Chicago.
2: Yes, sir. See you all there.
0: And again, that was Miro. I again I I am very I, I love that conversation. He is very open, very honest. Told me some things that I was not aware of. Very exciting um for, for Miro going forward.
1: My God, man, the Redeemer. You could just tell from our conversation that he's ready, Gabe. He he he's ready. And but the you kept trying to get at him to ask him. Pretty much like why you've been sitting at the crib. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you tried. Like I tried, man. Like in, I, your, I, in your dignified way, in your journalistic way.
0: you got well, to ask, you, you gotta from, earn a collar like this, Jay Hood. <laughs> You got to earn it. You know, <laughs> like that's
1: <laughs> Big Jay Jerno <Giorno> over here. <laughs> <laughs> Without being a complete mark, you didn't say like, "Hey, you've been off. Why? How come they've been using you? Why is that?" Like you're pretty much were very dignified and asking him, like, you know, what is this redeemer redeeming character? What are you? So. You know, you can tell that there's some frustration as he told us. There's a lot of things we didn't know, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm hope everyone enjoyed that conversation. So, but I'm excited about Miro on Saturday uh, because he's one of our guys now. Miro he is one of our guys,
0: Fan, friend of a of friend of GKW. That is for sure. Number two on the three count. We head back to the WWE. J Hood because something happened on Raw. I don't know if I've ever seen before. Um, The way that the crowd just completely took over the promo battle between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. And uh, right now, I don't know if there's anyone connecting with the audience quite like Seth Rollins. Like, who else would you put on that level? Because the crowd continuously singing Seth's song, it clearly messed with Finn. That segment ended up being a little off. I think if you you just listen or, or write down the words and read the words that Finn Balor said, I think they have some meaning. But I think it just all kind of got lost in how distracted he ended up getting with everybody singing Seth Rollins' song.
1: Okay. So i watched this, and I'm going to tell you something, Gabe. Um, Seth messed up. Messed up. And and here's why. Before we even get there, shout out to that C-town they were in Kansas because Kansas is not a wrestling hotbed of any sort at any time, right? Never. Yep. But they come, and out of all cities, it was in that one in Kansas, and they were just with it, just singing the song. Oh. And so I think that Seth should have stopped them because it rattled Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. Now, he could have just talked through it, but here's what's in the back of their minds, and it's an edict from the WWE. When the fans get involved, don't say anything. It's all. It's been like that since the Attitude Era, and a little bit before that too. If the audience gets involved, shut it down. Let them speak their piece, and then get back on the mic. But the audience didn't let Finn in. No, they didn't let him in. But how? How could he have been let in? Seth Rollins should have put his hand up, let him speak, <laughs> let him say what he wants to say. Right? He didn't do that. He just basked in the glory of the fans, and it just kept singing. That, my friend. If WWE fans are really watching, that will be the new what chant yep. when Seth Rollins comes out there. So, like, if a heel has something to say, Seth Rollins, I, oh, uh, and uh. it's like, that's going to suck. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: it's Yeah, it's it's going to be really hard for a heel to get a word in edgewise. I don't yes. know if that leads to some backstage segments. I don't know what that necessarily leads to. But Seth is so over. So there was... Last night here in our offices at at GKB Milwaukee, um, our friends over at 1017 The Truth had an event. And I happened to walk in because I had some other work that I had to do downstairs in our our studio area. And I was talking with one of our teammates upstairs and Seth Rollins and wrestling came up. A man I did not know Mm -hmm. heard the name Seth Rollins and joined the conversation I was in just by chanting, oh. Oh, like that's how over Seth Rollins is like just random conversations that somebody just heard his name and felt the need to join. And I loved it. Like, it was fantastic. Like, this is really cool. I can't believe this just happened. But that's how over Seth Rollins is right now. He's just overtaking conversations that I'm having around the GKB Milwaukee offices.
1: I mean, that shows you, man, that it, now, of course, that person usually buttoned up. I don't watch wrestling. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I have no need for wrestling. Oh, my God, that stuff. Did someone say Seth Rollins? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. but I don't watch though, no, my no. kids watch, but I don't watch. <laughs> no, my kids, they love it. But I mean, I saw that Seth Rollins with that garish outfit. Oh my God. I mean, just, but I don't watch it though. Of course that, that person's complete denial.
0: Oh yeah. But I mean, in terms of like Seth, just getting, I'm glad Seth is getting his moment in the sun though. Like, should he have probably shut down the crowd? Yes, I agree yes. with you. But at the same time, like, this is a dude who has been open and honest and vulnerable with us as fans about, yeah, maybe I'll just be the second best to, to Roman. Maybe I, And for him to get this championship that he has and now have this moment and be the guy on the flagship show, like, good for him. Because – and, and maybe people are being drawn from Sammy – because it feels like we're getting some connections with fans that we haven't seen in a couple of years. The way that Sammy was able to connect and still is, quite honestly, able to connect with fans. Um, you know, the way that Cody Rhodes is able to connect with an audience. And now Seth Rollins also on that list to go along with Roman Reigns and what he does with the bloodline to be able to manipulate an audience and just have that audience go on the ride with you. It's Again, it's tip of the cap to to WWE, tip of the cap to Triple H for maybe letting these guys have a little bit of freedom, not be so rigid in everything. And I, I don't know if these moments that we've had, and and look, I mean, Cody obviously was a Vince guy and, and came in before, but I think the connection that we've seen has been a lot of Triple H influence as well. Kind of just letting these guys be themselves a little bit to be able to connect with the universe.
1: Yeah. You know, LA Knight coming in from, uh, from the NWA pretty much. Yeah. and, and still doing the same characters, same, the same thing you did in NWA. Uh, under Vince, does that happened? Maybe probably, well, obviously not because he was part of the maximum male model. So no, he was not under mm-hmm. Vince at the end, but then when triple H comes and sees what kind of talent he is, yeah, just be yourself get, get back to being LA Knight and look at him, look at the kind of response that he's getting, not just domestically, but overseas mm-hmm. and Saudi Arabia, like he's over. Was he even on the card? I don't know. He, wasn't on, he, was he just, wasn't on the card. He was there though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't on the card. But people know who he is, and then he's getting, he's getting these babyface responses. So, I mean, besides the obvious of MJF and Chris Jericho and, and guys that really know how to manipulate the fans, I'm just going to give credit to an L.A. Knight. I'll give him a, a great example because he was doing this in front of 100 people in the NWA, and now, he's, now people want to do that yeah thing. They want to do that with him. Let me talk to you. It, I mean, people love it. Mm-hmm. People love it. Right. So and that's the best thing. Right. Whether you're a healer, baby face, when you can get the crowd engaged and wanting to listen to what you have to say, that says a lot. It says a lot. And, and this is why even in the AEW, there's a lot of young talent that still have to learn how to be able to engage with the audience. I don't care how many times you flip. I don't care how many uh, two and a half counts that you have on these near falls. If you can't get me engaged, you're just a flippy guy or a flippy woman. Well,
0: so to kind of go back to AEW, I think that's why the opening match last night connected because they had a good promo segment the week before and they Mm -hmm. paid it off with a good match and good storytelling within that match for the first half hour of of Dynamite last night. I think that's part of the reason why that match hit so well versus, like, look, again, I'm, I'm a big Orange Cassidy guy at this point as he continues to be the workhorse, but he's connected with an audience in a different way, Mm -hmm. but most of the matches he has aren't, oh, I'm I'm connecting and telling the story. Part of the, the Orange Cassidy story is he just goes out there and defends the damn thing every week, you know? Like, he doesn't have that emotional connection the way we had last night for MJF and Adam Cole.
1: So what's happened to this show over the year plus that you and I can understand the psychology of Orange Cassidy and how he relates to young people, but then our guy Broitz here coming out coming across like jim coronet <laughs> my, my little dog pockets goddamn like what happened like this should, this should be like bro it's heavyweight champion yeah i, I would have thought he would have
0: been all in on orange cassidy and we can rip him since he's not here this week but <laughs> the, the dude like and again like he's not gonna cut he's not gonna go out there and cut a five-minute promo for you but no. The the, way, you know the way he stands there last night as you know Renee wants to interview him and he goes well Renee this is about the time where somebody comes up and challenges me sure enough you know here comes Zack Saber Jr. wandering into the screen you know and you end up oh okay you want to fight all right me him versus you two next week book it and he's out yeah. you know, he's he's got the character he's built he's, he's all the way into the character and it's it's found a way to connect with audiences and again in a different way which is good going back to a point that brian danielson made when he was dan when he was daniel Bryan in wwe like the wwe works or professional wrestling works because you have so many people that are different because you have the big show because you have brian you know brian danielson and everything in between yeah you know you you want to have that variety if everybody was the same it would Frankly, it would stink. It would suck. But you can tell different stories with all these different characters. And none of them, to me, are connecting the way Seth Rollins is connecting with fans. We move back over to AEW for number three in the three-count J-Hood. Forbidden Door, as they continue to throw some matches out there, what do you think are some sleeper matches we could potentially see for Forbidden Door coming up, I can't believe it, a week from Sunday?
1: Okay, so you got your computer there to your left? I do. uh, Okay, because, see, here's the problem. Excalibur went through so much. That <laughs> I forgot. Like I know there's Forbidden Door. I know he's yep. promoting. Uh, he was promoting the next week's Dynamite. He was collision. Of, uh, collision. Okay, so there's some rampage. Things seen, so I'm gonna need your help.
0: All right. So as of right now, there are only four matches that have been announced. Okay. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. Brian oh, Danielson versus Okada. Uh, Sonata is going to defend the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. He offered that up last night in an open challenge that is going to be um, that was taken by Jungle Boy, and Jack Perry is going to have Hook in his corner. And then also announced, made official last night, MJF versus Tanahashi. However, MJF threatening not to show up for that match right after uh, Renee told him it was official. Uh, there have been other rumors, such as CM Punk taking on Kenta. I think, obviously, they're going to probably find something to do for um, Black Bull Combat Club, the elites. There, there are still a lot more pieces of this puzzle that need to be filled in, starting probably with tomorrow night on Rampage, Collision, and then they got to fill out the card by Wednesday. at the latest, I would think.
1: I thought it was very curious that Jungle Boy got that championship opportunity against Sonata. I'm like, so did you just throw Jungle Boy to the wolves because someone's got to take the pinfall? Because there's a lot more talented guys in that locker room than Jungle Boy for the IWGP championship, isn't it?
0: Who – well, so if there's going to be a pillar that ends MJF's reign – I have always been of the belief that it's going to be Jungle Boy because he just kind of seems to be the most baby the closest to, to being over between the three of them. And maybe part of that is because of the song and everybody likes waving their hands and and singing along to it. But I feel like he was going to be the one. So if you want to keep him elevated and want to keep him in mind to be a potential challenger to MJF once again, then you end up throwing him the picture versus I don't know who, who would you rather see?
1: I mean, it's a long list of people here, like, just not him. Like, (laughs) I'm looking at this roster. There's so many people that could be on the show, but it's Jungle Boy. I'm just surprised because, as I mentioned to you in that Pillars match, that Four Corners pillar match that they had, I thought Jungle Boy was the least of them Mm -hmm. because it's not because of his in-ring. It's never because of his in-ring. It's just that the way he came across on the mic. The pre-tape stuff. Okay, pretty good. That matchup against Christian that he had in the pay-per-view, like, hey, that's pretty good. Like, it's good stuff. A lot of that stuff was pre-taped, though, and they thought it was good. I just think that – will it be a good match? Yeah, Sonata will take him through. I think that's fine. I just thought that, you know, there would be somebody else in it, one of the veterans that would have an opportunity.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, because you still have to find something to do with Jericho. Um I don't know if that would have been a spot for Claudio, potentially, since he's a former ROH champion. Yeah. You know, where, where, where you kind of reward one of those guys. But at the same time, I really think they want to build up Jungle Boy. I, I would agree that I think he has more growth to do. And if you have to take off the championship of MJF, because he's actually going to be a free agent, again, I don't know if that storyline, if he signed an extension, they've done a good job of kind of blurring that line. But if at some point you get to the end of the year and you have to take it off of MJF, I don't I don't know if jungle boy is going to be ready by then. He's he is still so young. You know, he, he started with the company was what 19, 20 years old. He's yeah. only 20, 23, 24 right now. He's still an incredibly young wrestler that has a lot to do in terms of growing. And he's already been a tag team champion. He's, he, I think he'll be a world champion eventually, but you know, and again, I'm probably contradicting myself. I, I don't know if he has it to be the one to take it off of MJF, even if that's what w, AEW, excuse me wants.
1: Well, I just, I just look at him and I think, okay, apparently he's going through his heel run here because I, I'm thinking that there's going to be a turn here where jungle boy goes after hook. I don't know. Now who comes out on top of that? Does hook get his first loss? <laughs> like Ooh. they're attacking him now, but jungle boy, you could keep seeing the hints, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a, and it's like, well, how will the audience fa- feel with him turning heel? Cause uh, clearly Sammy's a baby face based on what we saw on dynamite. Well, our- uh, He's going to be
0: a baby face because he's tagging with Jericho next week, and my guess is you'll have the big blow off
1: between those two there. Yeah, amazing how a child makes you a baby face. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because of anything he said or did, he's still a prick. <laughs> he's, like, yeah, he's,
0: a baby. Yay! He's,
1: he's a prick with the kid now, so he's got to you know leave <laughs> some of
0: that prickishness behind.
1: That's the thing, Look, but there's the thing about wrestling, which is so weird, right? That turned him baby face. No one's booing him with a baby. Unless he had, like, what if Dom, what if, right? This is what happened in the 80s for sure. What if Dom and Rhea Ripley announced they having a baby? Would Dom still be able to get those booze from WWE?
0: Absolutely.
1: Nuclear heat because he's having a baby with Rhea Ripley? Yeah.
0: How dare oh. you? How dare you ruin Rhea Ripley for us? How dare you? How dare you, Dom? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they could find diff- different ways to, you know, they would, you know, they would love Rhea for it just because they love Rhea for everything and they still hate Dom. Which is just a fantastic dynamic, which I love uh, every time they come out together.
1: Uh, so I'll give you some names that I'd like to see in Forbidden Door. Like where does Daniel Garcia fit in all this? He's keeps yeah. me on my TV, but is he gonna do anything?
2: Uh,
0: I mean probably. I mean like at some point again, uh, how many okay, I'm gonna look at the I'm gonna look this up right now. How many for uh, how many they had last year on the card? So last year on the card for Forbidden Door, there were 13 matches, four of which ended up being on the pre-show.
1: What's going um, doing? Where, where's your guy, Mox? Is he in this show? Yeah,
0: so that's what I'm saying. Like, So if they had 13 matches last year, again, four on the pre-show, they have a long way to go. They have nine more matches to book. And I'm guessing you're going to see a lot more multi-tag matches. Just tag matches, six-man, eight-man tags to get more people involved. It's what they did last year. My guess is you'll get something with the BCC in a trios match, maybe something with the lead in, in a tag team match. Um, maybe Hangman gets left off. I, I'm not sure. But the, the problem is they've got this big roster, and I'm sure a lot of them would love to have some of these dream matches to see him Punk wrestle right away at Forbidden Door. You know, that there, there have been rumors about him and Kenta. Who knows if that ends up happening?
1: I don't, like, I I haven't seen, like, my sh- fair share of Sonata matches, but I'm thinking, like, a wrestler of his caliber against Malachi Black, mm-hmm. Takeshida, T- 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 we talked about him earlier, I mean, there's some names, you mentioned they still got to fill out the card, but I was just, I found that choice curious, but I guess the, to answer the question, I mean, the, the one for sure that you mentioned it was the beginning, you're talking about uh, Osprey. That mm-hmm. matchup against Kenny Omega. I mean, you can see that they're building it. I mean, the way that show ended, that Dynamite show, holy cow. Like, they had like, they have a death wish against each other. Like, they're trying to – I mean, that was – Uh, serious because I'm thinking show's over and then another shot to the back of the neck. (laughs) (laughs) Enough enough
0: already. Oh Eddie's back. Sweet. Oh shit, there's Will (laughs) Osprey. Oh, like Eddie Eddie's already been forgotten about. We already forgot poor Eddie. We already forgot about him because Osprey came out to give a super kick to Kenny. Like that's gotta be the main event, right? Like because and here's why I say that has to be the main event, Jay Hood. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do have an IWGP championship match in there. I, and the MJF match, I do not believe is a championship match. I think it's just, you know, MJF wrestling. Mm-hmm. You can't ask anyone to go on after whatever Omega and Osprey do. Can't. Just can't.
1: Yeah, that is um, the conventional wisdom from a lot of wrestling fans that that is going to be the best match on the card. And I know that there might be some feelings hurt. The, the guys that are champion that feel like that they should be on last, but they really shouldn't. They shouldn't have their feelings hurt. Look, you're going to be on a card that everyone's going to watch. The Toronto fans, because it's a, it's a great town. They are going to love these matches. They're going to be classics. So, But I think that Kenny Omega and Ospreay, um in, in any major arena in the world, it could be the main event. It's just that good.
0: Well, speaking of some of those um, matches, one of those that I just mentioned will lead off news and notes here, Jay hood CM Punk versus Kenta. It's been something that's been rumored um, that this could happen. You know, GTS versus GTS. Well, right. maybe it doesn't end up happening. Um, as, as there's rumors about an ESPN interview that CM Punk did that apparently could piss some more people off and blur the lines of whether he's shooting, whether it's a work. Um, so we could have more CM punk drama before collision even debuts on Saturday night.
1: Well, so tell us about it. What do you have a, a blurb? Do you have a, what are your thoughts on what? Yeah
0: you So you had sent this to me earlier. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so This from PW Torch, Wade Keller on PW Torch, was the, said he was under the impression between now and Saturday there's going to be something that comes out media-wise that's not going to help matters probably. Um, so now a lot of facets saying there's an ESPN interview that's supposed to drop sometime soon where Punk is talking about a number of topics. Among those topics, the elites, and word got back to several on the roster from yesterday that uh, – Based on what they heard, it didn't go over well with them, which it's just par for the course at this time with CM Punk, man. Like, I guess I I am going to reserve judgment to see if the piece comes out, what's actually in the piece before I judge it. But I don't know if he's just trying to drum up excitement, but we did get to see CM Punk in at least a video package last night on Dynamite leading into Collision for the first time
1: shaving a haircut for CM Punk. Uh, like, saw that, I noticed that. You could tell they're still trying to sell some more tickets because we were asking, where's the video package? And there he was. And, but okay, so a couple questions with this. So one thing for sure, and again, saw this from Fightful, saw this from a couple places. So uh, they said they were told that Punk, quote, wasn't thrilled with working with Kenta and may come across badly in an interview. That's one thing. And the other thing is, is that, you know, what, CM Punk, all right, so he says that he's got some things he wants to get off his chest. Does he start off Collision talking first? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think Collision at the end of the night. Yep, Collision's, you have to start tomorrow. You're going to hear the, the static, and then you're going to hear the guitar riff for Cult of Personality, and Punk's coming out with a microphone.
1: Okay, so he, he, because so, here's the thing. Yeah.
0: They they want to draw people in. Yes, they want people to stick around for the main event. Punk with a microphone is what's going to get people to stick around. That's what people really want. Like do people really want to see CM Punk in a 6-man tag? Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. But what people really want is CM Punk with a microphone in the middle of that ring inside the United Center.
1: Okay, I I I'm um I'm concerned because Yes, he's going to say some stuff, but if nothing is squashed in the back, like and the only reason why that he'd be back and the young bucks will be back and 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 Paige will be back is because everything has been squashed. If there's still lingering issues between CM Punk and those parties from the from the brawl out and Tony Khan, then Tony Khan is as bad as I think he is, as because it's one. Thing then to say, then all
0: all of the good yeah. booking and praise we were heaping on him at the beginning of the show just kind of yeah. goes away.
1: Yeah, I mean, well look look. Let's just let's just put it out there. He's very bad at being able to tell talent, "Hey, let's not go there." MJF rips the company. He's your heavyweight champion, rips the company. So to the average fan, it's like, well, I guess AEW sucks because the champion says he sucks. Some people are not in on the joke, Gabe. That's the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. We understand that that MJF is working, uh, but ultimately, he said the war of twenty twenty four because this place bores me oh, I'm an average fan. The champion says that this is bored. Is this boring. Click. I'll go over to WWE. You, I mean, you just can't do that. How about you or me get on the radio and just say, this morning show that we're doing, I'm pretty much bored. I, uh, need, some, I need some talent. I'm I mailing some, it in. Yeah, I need some more guests. I'm bored around here. This whole Packers talk, this whole Bears talk that we do every morning, I'm bored around here. Hey, Hey, Craig Carmazan, give me some talent around here. How do you think that'll go? Not well. Right? But he could do that. But then he's doing that in front of the press and press conferences. And some people love it, but that's a niche thing, though, man. You're not mm. doing that in WWE. It's only because nope. those people are taught to be professionals. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm you know, and then CM Punk just remember because I just I just saw an interview with Eric Bischoff with Ariel Hawane. He said there's no way in hell when he was running WCW that he could sit next to the, the champion eating pastries and cutting down the company. He goes, there's no way. He's I can't do business with a guy like that. Here, I don't agree with a lot of what Bischoff says, but he's right about that. But Tony Khan, because he's a wrestling fan, he thinks it's okay. Well, is it really resonating with the talent? We're going to find out. Is it really resonating with the audience at, at large? We'll find out, won't we? We
0: will find out. Do You mentioned things have to be squashed at least a little bit with the elite fightful select reporting that while they have not signed contracts, the elite is coming close to signing contract extensions with AEW. the elite, of course, being Hagman, Adam page, the young bucks and Kenny Omega. Um, also saying that WWE certainly would be interested in signing all four. However, based on the time that's probably left on the contracts, WWE is not even going to get an opportunity to talk with those four. So it looks like those four are going to be sticking around, which makes sense. And is, I think good. it's, it's a great sign for aew had they lost even any I, you could you could lose um hangman Adam page yeah and I'd be okay with it but if you were to lose another one of your founding members of the company and they jump ship to WWE it would just be a bad look
1: it probably would have happened already or we would have heard rumor about it if there wasn't a hiring freeze in WWE was hmm. a when was the last time that they hired a, a talent uh from the Indies That's yeah a long time
0: they would, I mean, my guess is they would make an exception if, if Kenny Omega became actually available. They would, they would do that because they know how much that would hurt AEW. Uh, and then finally, uh, going jumping on a bar stool, wrestling podcast, Tony Khan saying that, yes, he's going to feature certain talents on, uh, on Collision, going to f- uh, feature certain talents on Dynamite, but there's not going to be a hard brand split the way
1: we see in WWE. By the way, they missed on Jay White, didn't they? WWE? Triple H wanted them. There's, yep. There's a hiring freeze. Just going back to our last thing, there's a hiring freeze that's going on there because they could have got Juice Robinson and Jay White. It's the highest thing off of New Japan. They would have been able to work well in WWE, but that's not the case. Um, the other – the other, there was one other note – or two notes. Battle of the Belts is still a thing. You believe, I know Why? that's crazy, right? Yeah. Why? Yeah, Tony Khan Why? said in a recent interview that it, that's still going to be a thing. And I'm like, where's that going to fit? Not on Saturdays anymore.
0: Sunday nights, Sunday afternoons at four o'clock central.
1: <laughs> that's 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 one thing, uh, and the other thing, the news that we knew about this week is is that time is running out on the television deal for WWE. Will they still oh be yes, will FX they still be with uh, with USA and Fox, or will FX be involved now? Disney
0: t- Disney seems to be interested and wants to get into the WWE business, not necessarily for ESPN, but for FX, which they do now own.
1: Okay, I'm yeah, I'm like two days year old two, two days old, realizing that FX is owned by Disney, and yep. I'm like the stuff they put on there really does Disney know what's on FX? <laughs> <laughs> some of the raunchy stuff. How about an FXX? I mean, and some of the stuff they put on there. Wow. Okay, so that's something though, Gabe. We got to keep our eyes on. If mm-hmm. if USA Network loses WWE, USA might as well fold because the Chrisleys are in jail. So that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> but ESPN getting in the into the business. ESPN cannot carry Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. They don't have the bandwidth for it. Mm-hmm. So so FX would be a good, interesting spot for them. FX actually has more, more homes. People can watch more yeah. FX than you can in USA, I think.
0: Yeah, and, and again, if you have that partnership with Disney, that leads, again, I think to great things and different unique opportunities that you could probably put things on ESPN+. Plus. You could put things on... You know, have documentary series that run as thirty for thirty is run ESPN or all those different things. A lot of different options there as well. What do you have this week? Match of the week.
1: Match of the week. Uh, well, I mean, it, it really is a great matchup um, between Adam Cole and MJF. Mm-hmm. I, I, unlike you, I'm not happy with the finish because the finish felt WWE to me uh they didn't want to tell the audience in dc which was a hot crowd by the way shout out to dc great crowd uh a town without question uh didn't tell the crowd there was five minutes left uh, something happened to yeah. Justin jason roberts mic went out i don't know what happened no no 30 seconds no one minute you typically get... they do that they
0: typically they give you the heads oh,
1: up typically oh typically yeah that's a wwe finish that's what that was. Because they don't give time limits in WWE. Mm-hmm. I was told yesterday, like, oh, hoodie, you know, there was a 20 minutes uh time limit. I didn't hear that from Justin Roberts. They, he said he they someone told me they gave a 20 minute time limit uh call from justin and I didn't hear that. Well so know, go ahead.
0: They they I mean he introduces every match with the time limit. One fall every- three Yep. so w- whenever somebody's coming, you know, hey, your first bout of the night with a twenty-minute time limit or a thirty-minute time limit, as in last night's case. So he did throw that out there, but there was no countdown, like you said, there was no. And I feel like when they've done Brian Danielson once before, you've gotten their five minutes remaining in the match. You know, I feel like you get that countdown typically. You did not get that last night.
1: Miz against Cody was a sleeper. Miz is, is living his best life. Miz <laughs> yeah. is giving you. He's losing all. He's losing all these matches, but he's giving you a lot more. Uh Damian it so cold and MJF's one, but two for me is Priest and Riddle. What Priest and
0: Riddle player. Priest and Riddle was fantastic. Priest and Riddle was great. I was in on that. I was also in on um Escobar versus um, Mustafa Ali from SmackDown, which was another uh, qualifying match. I thought that was the best match on SmackDown, just because the the main event, again, was pretty schmozzy, as is the case when it comes to uh, Bloodline matches. Um, But I I really thought that uh, Santos Escobar versus um, Mustafa Ali was really good from SmackDown.
1: Uh, And, of course, the main event, the the BCC against the Hung Bucks uh, from Dynamite. But I thought, again, both shows... The main shows, Raw, and Dynamite, uh, they delivered. That's mm-hmm. this is what a war looks like. You put your best against your best. You got a world. You have a a non-title heavyweight championship uh, opportunity on um, Dynamite. Your first thirty minutes, fantastic, absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, it was it was a great week for professional wrestling, and I think we're gonna have plenty of things to talk about next week. We're gonna have the collision. The the uh, we're gonna have Collision debuting. We're then going to be previewing Forbidden Door. That's all going to be coming up next week. Collision, Friday, I mean, Hood, Chicago. It's going to be the hotbed of professional wrestling for the next couple of days with CM Punk debuting, and, of course, Dunmite's going to be there on Wednesday night as well. Uh, Again, if you're joining us late, go back. Listen to Miro wherever you get your podcasts. Highly, highly recommend catching a Miro before Collision on Saturday. Catch us again next week. Brian Roach will be back right here on GK.